into the habit of inviting people to follow you into Christianity. Isn't that discipling? Isn't that moving into what God told us to do, go into all the world and make disciples? So in other words, if we don't have anybody following us into Christianity, one of two things is happening. Either one, we're not headed towards Christianity ourselves, or we're not headed towards Christianity ourselves because we're not actually you know, producing what he told us to produce. So this is, a, this is one of those things where you start checking yourself and you say, man, am I producing what God asked me to produce? So get into the habit of that. Get into the habit of asking people questions. Hey, you want to go with me? Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I lift you up? Is there something you need? Because I got something on the inside of me. His name is Jesus, and he likes solving problems. He likes bringing about miracles. He likes bringing about provision in people. And see, a lot of times we don't actually pray with people or invite people because we really don't believe that. We amen it, but we don't believe it. And that should be a challenge for us. You know, not me challenging you, but you challenging yourself to say, do I really believe what I say I believe? Do I really believe that? It's challenging, isn't it? Wow, it's quiet. But do we? I think the 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 more quiet it gets, the more questions like that I'll ask. So we'll just we'll see if the amens turn around. What do you think? You think that's a good plan? Somebody got it. <laughs> our, you know our Christianity is not to be messed with Amen. It, we're supposed to be you know if everybody else in this room everybody did the wrong thing we should want to stand up and do the right thing Amen. so Partially, that can be that if everybody in here sits here and listens to the message this morning, it's like, mm, you ain't going to tell me, Pastor. Mm, mm. <laughs> then that means we're going to have to say, I receive your word, Lord. Amen. I step into it. I receive it. Amen. I expect it. Allow life to be life inside of us, not just sit there like a knot on log, doing nothing. Amen. We've got to receive it. This takes action on your part. Yes. Amen? Amen? Good. They're starting to wake up. Amen. What is that? Is it the rain? What is it? <laughs> They're having amen battles now. That's good. <laughs> See, it's when, there's, when it's raining in your life, you've got to learn how to get on to the devil and resist him. Yeah. Don't let him pressure you. You pressure him. Amen. That's the difference between your victory and not having your victory. You've got to learn how to put it on. Yeah, right. i got a good word for you. But if you don't wake up, I ain't giving it to you. Priscilla said, who needs coffee? i got some good stuff for you. Come on. Amen. Amen. Put it on. Yeah. It's okay to do that. See, a lot of times we sit back and we don't, we don't press into the things of God and the things of God pass by us. You remember blind Bartimaeus? Everybody was telling him, shut up. Not only was they just being quiet, they were telling him, shut up, be quiet. So he not only had the pressure of, of you know, get quiet on from peer pressure, he had peer pressure on top of it telling him to be quiet. But see, he wouldn't have gotten healed had he not reached out and said, son of David. Have mercy on me. Amen. And we need to get some of that in us. Yeah. We need to allow some of that. And we just preached over the last few weeks about boldness and courageousness. You've got to let some of that stuff break out of you. you gotta, there's a boldness in you. Yeah. There's a boldness in you. There's a courageousness in you through Jesus Christ. There's a boldness and a courageousness. And you need to let it flow out yeah. of you. Otherwise, you'll sit there. And you'll stew in mediocre, uh, mediocre victories the rest of your life. I don't want it either. Because he's called me to overflow. He's called you to overflow. That means we've got to put something on. You have to get proactive about that. 
Amen? Amen. Amen. If you were in gym class, I might have you stand up and do jumping jacks right now. Get alive. Get awake. Tell the story again about Brother Hagen when he was in the healing school and teaching Keith Moore. Everybody know Keith Moore? You've heard of him? Keith Moore was sitting there. He was a student. Today, he's a great teacher of the Word. I mean, just an awesome teacher. And he said, me and my friend were sitting there, and Brother Hagen, you know, you can have preaching, and then you can have line upon line, precept upon precept. <laughs> and line upon line, sometimes teaching like that is not the most exciting things. He said, and this was after lunch, and we were sitting there, and Brother Hagen was teaching. We were sitting on the front row, and Brother Hagen was teaching. Line upon line, <laughs> precept upon precept. So it was an exciting preaching, right? And he said, next thing I know, I, you know, Brother Hagen was standing in front of me because he said my eyes had started to, to dim. He said, Brother Hagen was standing right in front of me and he said, get excited, boys. It's when you get excited about the word that it works for you. And that's still true to this day. We got to get excited. Get it on. Amen. So Keith Moore learned that and applied that, and that's part of what makes him that today. Don't just look at other people and say, I wish I had that. You get up off of yours, and you go after God, and you be purposeful and bold and courageous to step out into it. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Amen? All right. Good. Good, good, good. Well, um... Usually we pray for a different church. We're going to skip that portion today. You just pray as the Lord leads you this week. But let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah in chapter 43. We're talking today about an exchange with God. And this, what we're going to get to is Exodus chapter 32. And it is a really, really interesting chapter but before we get there, let's just look at this. And here, this is funny. I did not even think about this. God does not want robots. He wants partners and children. After I talked to you about being bold and stepping out, he doesn't want robots. He doesn't want everybody, amen, at the same time, just do it. He wants you to interact. He wants feeling. He wants something in you to reach out and grab a hold of him. He doesn't just want robots. He also doesn't want just, in other words, he doesn't want me just like what I just told you to, to wake up and, and be bold. He doesn't want you to just be bold just because I told you. He wants that word to get inside to your heart and then out of your heart something happens. That it's real. That it's alive. In other words... I, he doesn't want us just or turn left, so we turn left. He doesn't want that. He wants us to say, turn left. And we say, but I love you, and because I love you, I'll turn left. Because I trust you. And he says, turn right. I love you, and because I love you, my why, my reason for living is you. And because I know you love me, you told me to turn right. I'm turning right. You see, there's a connection. It's not just following commands. There's a connection. There's a relationship. And see, if we can go through and we can, you know, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Uh, you know, you shall not steal. You shall not kill. Obey your parents. honor. And we can follow that just like a robot. Or we can allow it to get in our heart and become who we are and operate in a relationship with God. And this verse here God doesn't want robots. He wants partners and children. And you remember when uh, he was getting ready to go down and handle some business with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he stopped by Abraham. And he had a conversation. They had an exchange. And then you see that at multiple times where the Lord has a man, has a person on the earth that he is a partner with, that he interacts with. But let me tell you, uh, Chris, will you come here for a second? Let's say that I'm playing the part of God, uh, or you're playing the part of God, and I'm playing the part of man, and you are approaching me. Amen. You're approaching me, right? Now look, all right, so he approaches me. Hello? Hello, good. Hello. All right, that's interaction. Do it again. Hello. 
Hello. Hello. This is not interaction. If you don't have interaction on both parts, is there actually partnership and relationship happening? So there's got to be an interaction between the two, and this is what God is after. And he promises us if we ever go to God and say, hey, he is right there. Well, we should take on that same heart so that the moment the Holy Spirit goes, hey, then we go, hey, and we wake up to it too. See, and see, he's here because he told us to get together this morning. So we wake up to that fact and we interact with it. Lord, I'm coming with expectation. I'm coming to interact and be in partnership with you. We are in relationship together. I'm in expectation. But there's, it's a two-way deal. It can't just be one-sided or else. There's not really relationship, interaction, and partnership. And that's what God's after. Amen? Amen. All right. So this says, Isaiah 43, 26. It says, Put me in remembrance. Let us argue our case together. State, state your cause that you may be proved right. Now see right here he's talking about, uh, he's talking about interacting with somebody and actually in this context somebody has, has done the wrong thing. But what God's saying is don't just run from me, let's communicate. Put me in remembrance. Remind me of what I've said, of who you are, of what you're doing, remind me. And it's not like God forgot. He's rem we're reminding for whose sake? Ours. Ours. Then let's turn to Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Isaiah 1, 18 through 20 says this, Come now, let us reason together says the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. And if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now see, when I open up a message the way that I opened it up today, uh, you have a couple of different options. Either, you know, because I said I opened up the message and I said, hey, are y'all awake? You, you here? You know, checking on you. You know, is, you got pulse or somebody need to call the 911 or what? What's up? You know, you got a choice at that moment. You know that what I'm saying to you is what the Lord wants you to do is to expect, but you can sit there and be like, act cool. Be like, I ain't, I ain't doing it just because he tell me it's like rebelling against that. Or I can say, yeah, you know what? I need to repent. I need to open up. I need to, I need to do those things. I need to engage with God. I need to expect. So you have those two different options. And it's important here to see that God gives us those options and gives us those choices. But he also gives us a warning and says, you know, if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. This is the result of a humble heart. This is the result of somebody that approaches God this way, who's partnered with God. But the other side is, if you refuse and rebel, and see, a lot of times we only see refusing and rebelling as being you know, just straight up, hey, I'm going to go steal something, I'm going to go kill somebody, I'm going to go do whatever. That's not, it doesn't begin there. That's the fruit of, of rebellion that started back when I said, mm -mm, I'm not going to do it because I don't feel like it today. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. And, and pastor can say it all he wants. That's where the rebellion starts. And what does he say the end result of that is? You will be devoured by the sword. See, that's a warning from the Lord. And that's not the only situation that that can happen. But when the Holy Spirit's coming up and he's knocking on your heart, and he's trying to open you up, and you constantly resist that, and you resist the power of the Holy Spirit, and you resist what he wants to do, all of a sudden you're stepping into a place where devouring by the sword can take place. Yeah. And you have to watch that. You have to be mindful of that. You have to be wise about it, which is why this the Lord gives us this. 
But he's telling us that if we will come together and you will partnership and you will interact with me, basically he's saying I'm going to show you how to avoid that stuff and move into the place where you eat the best of the land. You are healed and stay healed. You are provided for and overflowing. You are delivered and completely free. You are walking in the fullness of salvation because that's the heart of God. But it all has to do with a partnership and a relationship with God. It has to do with that. So now let's go to Exodus 32. Yesterday we were reading together as a family and um, we got to this part and then that was the end of our reading because questions just started popping off in the girls and it was good. We had good time. But as we were sitting there, the Lord said, that's what you're preaching on tomorrow. I went, okay, cool. This ought to be interesting and it's good. But it's one of the most interesting chapters. There's some interesting stuff uh, that happens here. And what's happened so far to set the context is the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've come out from bondage. They've now uh, come away from Pharaoh. They're free from Pharaoh. They've moved into the desert and all of a sudden now the, the Egyptians are after them. They come up to the Red Sea. God splits the Red Sea. They come through the Red Sea. Uh, the Egyptians, they, they didn't make it. And uh, they move on to the mountain, right? They move to the mountain of God. All of a sudden, the fire and the smoke and the earthquaking comes down on the mountain. And Moses says, come on, let's go see God. And the people go, no, <laughs> let's not. You go and you go see God and we'll listen to you because they were scared. And Moses tells them, this is Exodus 20, 20. He says, no, don't be afraid. Just understand that God is God. You know, don't mess around with them. But then they come to this place and Moses has been up there for quite some time hanging out with God. He's been getting the Ten Commandments and uh, God's been telling him all kinds of stuff to do. Well, some time passes. And you know how the flesh is when some time passes. <laughs> and all of a sudden we hadn't seen or heard from God in a while and we, you know, some time passes. And then all of a sudden we feel like we've got to make up something or make something happen, right? Well, the Israelites got there too. And they start talking to Aaron, who's the high priest at that time. Moses left him there. Aaron, we don't even know what happened to Moses. And then Aaron takes the, he's like, well, give me all the gold earrings. Give me all the, the gold that you got. And uh, so he takes in all the gold and they melt it, and then he fashions it into the golden calf, which is pretty funny because later on when Moses says, hey, what happened? Aaron goes, I just threw it in the fire and out popped this calf. And it's like, dude, you, had, you were chiseling. Yeah, but I don't know. Something about the human nature always is like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was that woman you gave me. It's like anything but me, right? But it's funny. It's like, Aaron, come on, dude. Like, that's a straight up lie to the man of God that just came off the mountain. You know, come on, dude. And, but we've never been there. That's why we're la laughing, right? We're like, God, how can, how can people be so silly? But we've never been there. Anyway. <laughs> Then in verse 7. So that's the situation. So Moses is in front of God. And about that time, verse 7, The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once. <laughs> this is funny. For your people, <laughs> your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. <laughs> this means a stiff-necked people. That means, stiff-necked means not humble. In other words, they've set their sights, and I'm not turning my neck even if God himself shows up. Sounds like rednecks to me, but that's... Um, 
and then that's only because I came from a family of them, if you understand. But it's that's we're not thinking of anybody right now, are we? So all right, so <laughs> I'm not changing my mind no matter what. You know. And a lot of times we'll see the attitude towards God, but a lot of times we'll see it towards other people. I don't care what they said. They should have done something different, right? That's a stiff neck, obstinate. In other words, they're sticking with their story. In other words, no matter what, they want to be right. That's pride. It's just pride. It's a lack of humility. And Moses is like, they, they, they got some problems, God. That's what he said, basically. And then, verse 10, he says... God says, the Lord says to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Verse 10, now then, let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Well, that's an interesting statement coming from God. Keep reading. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land of which I have spoken I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Well, isn't that interesting? Anybody feel like we just read through a list of contradictions of who God is and the heart of God and what just happened, right? Well, the first thing to know is that God is God, right? And let's say that, I mean, God was even different than what you think right now. He's not somebody we ought to be crossing. In other words, if there's somebody that we ought to be submitting to, let's say that he wasn't all love, just for the sake of argument. Let's just say that God was not all love. But he held the power that he holds. That would mean that we ought to probably pay attention to what you know he says to do. We should probably not find ourselves going against him just simply for the power that he holds. Is that not right? Thank God he is love right thank goodness he is love and what's interesting here is you see several things and several questions like uh, God changed his mind wait a minute I thought he was love now he wants to wipe out his own people what's going on here and why is he talking to Moses about it you see and there's a there's a number of spiritual sacred cows right here in this one verse and there's some more later on actually if you read the rest of the chapter if there's certain questions I'll know you found the other one that happened uh, there's interesting stuff I would I would challenge you to read it and then come question ask why it looks the way that it looks but what's going on right here I mean God's about I mean according to the way it looks God's ticked off and he's about to wipe them out and uh, he seems like that's what he wants to do. Have you ever had somebody you've been around and they have resolve and they have power? Um, certain people you can get around. Uh, a lot of people, their father was kind of that way. It's like one look from their dad. And all of a sudden, they're like, straighten up, you know. Some people, that's not their dad. But sometimes it's like, this is the thing that you need to notice right here. Because if God said... Hey, I'm about to go kill him, right? I mean, what's Moses going to do about it? See, there's something going on here that, that Moses thinks he can talk. Because if he didn't think he could talk, you know, that person that's got a lot of resolve and power, I mean, it's kind of like, I'm going to go kill him. Yeah, go right ahead. I didn't like them anyway, you know, just <laughs> have at it. I'm on your side. They, they were talking about, you know, talking about you a while ago just go right ahead you know see there's something here that Moses thinks he can talk back and actually say something you know 
So there's a heart in this moment because, I mean, he is talking to God, almighty, all-powerful God, who set his mind. If he set his mind to kill those Israelites, they're done. Moses is not going to stop him. There is not. Moses is not going to stop him. You know? But yet he feels like he can talk to God. I feel like it's probably the same way that Abraham felt when he was like, Lord, uh, I'm sorry, but let me, let me ask you one more time. If there was just ten that were righteous, would you save the city? Yeah. You know, and he was pressing God. That, see, that doesn't even make sense until you understand that God wants partnership Amen. and he wants relationship. And he's a God of love. And see, the other thing is it shows that, you know, it looks like it says, it says in our English that God changed his mind. But let me, let me read this to you in the literal translation. It says, And Jehovah was moved to pity concerning the evil which he had spoken uh, basically about his people. In other words, that looks a little bit different. See, what... You, the other thing that we have to look at is, did God know that the Israelites were about to do what they were about to do? Yeah. Of course he did. And this is a bigger question. Did God know how Moses was going to react? Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, the question that he poses to Moses is basically this. You know, hey, I'm going to wipe them out and I'll make you a great nation. Well, put yourself in that position. See, the word says that Moses was the most humble man. And right here we see a picture of how. This is God Almighty offering him something. I'm going to give you the world. Let me wipe them out, Moses, and I'll give you the world. I'll make of you a great nation. And God knew what he was going to ask. But by asking them the question, he allowed Moses to get some humility and grace that would bring about, that humility would bring about great grace into the lives of the Israelites. The same thing that happened with Jesus on the cross. You know, look, they're killing me, Father. God, hey, what do you want to do? You don't have to go. You don't have to. He said, nope. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, Moses was a type and shadow of Christ who gave up his world so that he could save the people. And that's what this, I can really see this, you know, really see this really playing out more along these lines. God saying it like this. Hey, Moses, what do you think about this? I just go down there, I'll wipe them all out. They're stiff-necked people. I'll make you a great nation. What do you think about that, Moses? See, all of a sudden that looks different, and it lines up more. See, he's just ha he knows what Moses is going to answer, but by asking him that question and posing that in front of him, and by posing that to Moses, he's allowing interaction with a partner, with a man. He's allowing interaction to change what he does. And he's doing it on purpose. He knows what he's going to choose. But he's allowing that man to play a part in that. It's beautiful. See, we play a part in what happens on this earth. Just like what we started out by saying in the service. We play a part in it. And what happens in a service can change based off of how we interact with him. You see that? Let's turn uh, to Hebrews 1.3. Now, see, the interesting thing is, you mean God wanted to kill all the Israelites? Well, I don't think so at all. I don't think he wanted to kill anybody. As a matter of fact, you see that over in the New Testament. It says at multiple places that he desires for all men to be born again. But there's a very interesting verse in Hebrews 1. Uh, and let's just read 1 through 3. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. So he, he was speaking to the world through who? Through what voice? 
through Jesus, through His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things. So Jesus was speaking to us, but Jesus also was the heir of everything. Through whom also He made the world, through Jesus. And verse 3 is so powerful. And He, Jesus, is the radiance of His glory. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The glory of God shone on and through Jesus. And Jesus, still the subject, and Jesus is the exact representation of His nature. The exact representation of His nature. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. Jesus, as a man, upholds all things by the word, by the promises of the power of God. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus upheld all of it. And see, Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. See, a lot of people look in the Old Testament and all they see in the Old Testament is God who's mad and who's angry. And what they've done is they've misinterpreted just a portion of the whole Bible. We're to take the full counsel of the Word. But you, you miss this scripture that says Jesus was not just a representation of God. He was the exact representation of the heart of God. And what did we see out of Jesus when somebody that just had plain out sin was standing right in front of him? The adulterous woman. Had she sinned? Absolutely. And what you saw was not, ooh, I'm going to kill you. you know, that's not what you saw out of God. The, that's not what you saw out of Jesus, the exact representation. You saw out of Jesus, neither do I accuse you. Now be empowered to go and sin no more. And then when you had some stiff-necked people, so much so that they killed the Son of God and let a murderer go free and the Son of God who had done nothing wrong and they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And then they put him through torture, whipped him, beat him, and then hung him on a cross to die, taunted him, did all this stuff, spit in his face and all this stuff and he's sitting up on the cross as the exact representation of the Father and says, Father, forgive them. The exact representation of the heart of God. Man, He loves you and He loves us. And the same will, it says, the Lord says, look, I am the Lord and I change not. The same will that you saw towards the adulterous woman, the same will that you saw uh, towards the people to forgive them for they know not what they do is the same heart that the father had while he's up here on that mountain with Moses. It's the exact same thing. But he's setting up a legal way for Jesus to come and set all people free. And in order to set it up in a legal way, there had to be some consequences for the legalities to be fulfilled. And that's what you're seeing a lot in the Old Testament. Now, don't get it wrong. God's not somebody to play with. He's still God. He's still Almighty. And just ask Ananias and Sapphira and the magician over in Acts, you know, that Saul said, look, be blind from this moment. Hey, look, he's still God. You don't play around with him and what he's doing. They said in the, one, in the one chapter they were talking about some new church, basically that was some new ministry that was springing up. And they said, look, if you go over there and you start messing with that and that is of God, you're going to find yourself in opposition to God, basically in a place you can't win. But if it's not of God, it won't stand. It won't stand. But if it is of God, you're going to be fighting against Him and you don't want to do that. So they were basically saying, shut up, be quiet, leave it alone, it'll work out. All right. So here was this thing. Here's Jesus who's saying, look, I don't want anybody to perish. But at the same time, he's saying, don't forget that he's God. But he wants us, God wants there to be a man that operates and participates with his will. 
And that is still in effect today. And in that moment up there on that mountain, Moses participated in a relationship with the Father and the will of God was not necessarily changed, but he allowed Moses to play a part in what was going to happen in the plan. Amen? See, Jesus, what's beautiful about this is Romans 8, 34 says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus is our advocate. Our, an advocate is one that stands there and pleads your case. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, still doing to this day what Moses did up on that mountain. Lord, bless them. Lord, I'm not up here to accuse them. I'm up here to tell you why you should, why you should bless them. I'm up here to stand in the gap. Then it says in Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, it says this, it says, but Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for him. He always lives to do what? He will live forever to do what? Make intercession for us. Praise God that Jesus is sitting there having an exchange with the Father on our behalf. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, you know, we're not quite done with the message, but right now is the point where we need to receive him as that interceder, that intercession. And remember what he has done. And honor what he has done. Thank you, sir. There was somebody that recognized that there needed to be a one-way ticket between God and man. That he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the life. And the reason that he paid the price was so that he could forever be your advocate. The one who intercedes for you to God. The one who was willing to have his body broken and his blood shed for you, for us. The one who was willing to get whipped. The one who was willing to die. The one who was willing to give everything up, even equality with God, so that he could stand in the gap so that he could stand in the gap. That's what Jesus did. So he says and he tells us to remember when you come together, he says, remember this. Remember the price of his death. Remember the price of his blood. And today, as you take the communion, don't just remember it only, but remember it and honor it in this way. Lord Jesus, I receive you not just as my Savior, but I receive every side of that, every facet. I receive you also as my advocate, the one who's standing at the right hand of God, of God interceding for me, praying for me, lifting me up. Lord, I receive you as that. And so just pray this with me today. Just say, Father, I thank you so much for sending your Son. Jesus, I thank you for giving up your equality with God, for giving up your seat in heaven, and coming down to the earth to take on my sin and to carry the weight of it so that I might be forgiven and dying for me so that I didn't have to. And Father, thank you for raising him up back to life and raising me with him. In Jesus' name.
Jesus, Jesus you're my Lord. You're the director of my life. You're my Savior. You are saving me. And you have saved me. And I believe that you did die for me. And God brought you back to life. And I receive the resurrection of new life in me. And I ask you, Jesus, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I remember. I remember the price. And I honor you. Not just in the moment. But I honor you in how I live. And the decisions I make. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take it. So just like Jesus intercedes for us, we are to be in partnership and relationship with God. God wants us to remember and remind Him of His Word. Yeah. He says to us, come and let's reason together. How many people here believe that you're alive because somebody was praying for you? Anybody ever had a moment like that? <laughs> yeah, a few more than a few. Somebody was playing that part of Moses for you. And they were doing it in partnership with Jesus. In other words, Jesus... Uh, come here, come here, Jeremy, please. And Chris, will you stand over there? So here's what's happening. Chris is going through the world and he's about to hit a spot where the devil set a trap for him. He's trying to kill him. He's trying to take him out. He's trying to steal, kill, or destroy. And so God, up in heaven, with his great love towards Chris, says, there's about to be a problem. We need to get somebody to allow to start praying in their authority as a man on the earth so that my power can be released for Chris because right now he's just not in a good place and he's not lifting himself up he doesn't know his authority he doesn't know that he needs to pray right now and so God says but it has to see I've given the earth to men I've given the earth to mankind so if I don't get somebody standing in the gap like Moses did then he's in trouble and he says, all right, Holy Spirit, go and tell Jeremy to start praying. And so there's a couple of different ways that that can happen, but if he's filled with the Spirit, it's a lot easier because he can say, start praying, Jeremy. And all of a sudden, Jeremy, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and he moves on Jeremy. He says, you need to pray. You need to pray right now. And so Jeremy doesn't know what to pray. So he just starts praying in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's given him those heavenly words to say and pray out. And by his authority, now it gives Jesus a right as the high priest to sit next to God and say, Father, do it. By my blood and by my power, save Chris. And, and that he may also say, "Go." let's say Jeremy wasn't filled with the Spirit. This is why we need to be filled with the Spirit. Because if we're filled with the Spirit, then we feel the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit, especially in a situation like this that's so important. And he'll say, you got to pray for Chris. And all of a sudden, Chris comes up on his mind. Chris comes up in his heart. He's got a passion, a compassion for Chris. He starts praying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but protect him. Well, see, the Holy Spirit knows all the details and knows how to pray that out. And you might just say protect him, and that can work. But he wants somebody that will speak the fullness of his will. And that's somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he starts praying. Well, all of a sudden, uh, he gives Jesus the right to talk to the Father. And all of a sudden, the Father says, yes. Now, by the authority that Jeremy has in the earth, let it be done. And Chris is protected, and he's not stolen from, and he's not destroyed, and he's not killed because somebody else was praying when he wasn't even praying for himself. Thank goodness we got somebody praying for us. 
somebody was standing in the gap. Even though, you know, it could have been, hey, will you pray for them? I mean, it's going to take you time. It's going to take effort to do this. Like, you need to actually stop what you're doing. You know, maybe put the you know, video game controller down for a few minutes or something crazy like that. You know, that's, you know sometimes it costs us something. But if we don't do it, it's not happening. See, this is why we need to learn how to interact with the Holy Spirit and stop making excuses for our flesh that doesn't want to participate with God. With Moses, it cost him the world because he said, Moses, I'll give it all to you. And he said, no, let me stand in the gap for them, save them. Let me remind you of your word, of your promises, of your goodness. It's not because God forgot. It's because through the authority of a man on the earth, God says, I need somebody that'll partner with me, that'll have relationship with me, that'll do what I'm asking. They'll give themselves to grow in the Lord. And in spiritual terms, they build up a strength. And so when they pray, that thing happens. But it doesn't just happen with somebody that's not given to stand in the gap or didn't grow up in the things of God because they were too busy doing other stuff. There's conditions. God's love is unconditional. But the blessing is conditional. The manifestation is conditional. It's a big understanding. We don't just walk in the blessing because it's out there or else everybody would be born again. There's conditions. And we got to meet those conditions by giving ourselves in love. And we stand in the gap. Now, the best, the best example of this would be that Chris catches fire himself and has his own relationship, and he can pray those things out, and God never has to move on Jeremy to do that. But that's not always the case. When I asked that question, I think everybody's hand went up. You're alive because somebody else was praying. Me too. Thank God that he had that mercy. But he needs a people that will hear that and be willing to give of themselves over what their self wants. Amen? All right, thank you guys. Joshua, how are you going to know? See, what if Moses didn't know what God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What if he didn't know? The promise. What if Moses didn't know the covenant? Would he have been able to stand in the gap? No. It's why Joshua says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all, to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. See, a lot of times the devil's just moving in the earth and he's just throwing stuff at us and, and we just accept it like, well, that's just life. Like what Nicole was saying earlier, that's just life. No, I don't participate in that. Why does she not participate in, in that sickness and whatever's going around? Why, how come we don't participate in it? Because this word says you don't have any part with it. But see, if you don't know the promises, you hadn't meditated them. And there's a difference between reading it one time and then getting it down in your heart. There's a difference. See, we've got to stand on that word, meditate on the word, get to know who God is and what he is and, and his love for us and what he's done and what Christ has done so that when a situation comes up and we are called to stand in the gap for ourselves or for somebody else, all of a sudden in that moment we know what the promises of God are and we are standing in the gap and we are praying to Christ who is our way to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And that's how we get to the Father who's all powerful who's just sitting there waiting to let life and life in abundance overflow in us but it happens because we know the promises and we speak the promises and right now I just want you to stand up and let's reason with God let's remind him of what he said about you you can leave it there Let's remind him of what he said about you. What's that situation right now that's on the top of your mind? Maybe healing, maybe finances, maybe 
you know, help for your spouse or for your children? What is that situation? What's that thing? You thinking about it? You know that thing where you need breakthrough right now? And if you don't have one, there's probably somebody in this room that you know their situation. Well, right now, let's just stand in the gap in your authority and let's participate with God, whether it be on your behalf or somebody else's behalf. But what's the promise of God? What has he said about that situation? Even if you don't know a direct verse, and it's good, you need to know direct verses. But even if you don't know a direct verse, when Jesus said, I'm your Savior, when he said, I'm the Messiah, that solved every problem that anybody could think of. Because in that salvation, he said, I will save you. To save you meant to save you from whatever it is you need saving from. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's your protector. He's your redeemer. He's your provider. If you need provision, he's the provider. If you need healing, he's the healer. If you need deliverance, you need to come free. There's something that's been holding you back and binding you up. He is the deliverer. You need restoration. He's the restorer and the redeemer. He redeems the time in your life. Oh, Lord, I have messed this thing up and I've been, I've been doing it wrong for a long time. I need some restoration. I need some redemption in my marriage. I need some redemption in my head. He's your protector. Right now, if he's, if he's trying to tell you that bad stuff is coming... If the devil's trying to tell you that bad stuff is coming and giving you visions of pain and agony and he's telling you it's not getting... He's your protector. Has anybody got that? Anybody got where the devil's trying to tell them the wrong stuff? Let me put it this way. If you want that free, come up right now. If, you, if he's trying to, to show you horrific stuff and bad things and bad plans and you want that broken you're tired of that and you're tired of being in fear come up right now because when you come up here it will be broken amen thank you for being obedient thank you come on I know there's more it was that was a specific word come on thank you father When you come, it will be broken. In this moment, he's told me to stand in the gap on your behalf and there's an anointing for you to receive the protection of God. There's an anointing for you to receive supernatural, holy protection from God. To bind up those thoughts and bind up that mess and that junk that's attacking you. See, it's trying to attack your thoughts so that you will not stand in the gap with your prayers and participate with God. That's why it's attacking your thoughts. He's tried to do that to me before multiple times. I start having visions of bad car accidents and stuff like that and bad dreams. Just the devil trying to do stuff. Years ago he tried that until I finally figured out what was going on. And right now, in Jesus' name, I resist that spirit of fear. I rebuke it and I bind that spirit of fear that would try to give all these vain imaginations that are contrary to the obedience of Christ. In the name of Jesus, I bind up your power. By the blood of Jesus, I loose freedom and protection now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, any kind of spirit that would try to oppress and hold down and be in bondage because of fear be broken now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I come against that. Be broken now in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Father, for your anointing. Freedom come now. Be broken now in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. Thank you, Father. Freedom come now in Jesus' name. Yeah, 
loose his mind and release any fear of any lack. Thank you, Father. Father, you are the protector. Anointing of God, come now in Jesus' name. Yeah, say this. Say, I receive protection and wholeness and freedom in my mind and in my life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your anointing that sets the captive free. Thank you, Father. Yeah, say, I believe and I receive you, Jesus, as my protector. And I have it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where you want me? Come on. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for freedom. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing to set her free. Lord, we come against every thought of every wrong and bad thing. The Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Thank you, and to give you a good future. Thank you, Father, for freedom in Jesus' name. Holy protection be now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, amen. Amen. So picking up where we're at right now, whatever it is that you need freedom in, you start right now standing in the gap for yourself, reminding God of His promise. Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my Savior. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You start right now telling the devil, you stand in the gap. What would have happened if Moses wouldn't have stood in the gap for the people? What would have happened? God needed somebody that would get obedient and humble to him to say, I'll do what you need me to do. Let me stand in the gap. Let me stand in the gap. So right now, you stand in the gap for yourself. Say, Father, you're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my savior. You're my provider. You're my redeemer. You restore me. You deliver me. Lord, I receive it. We receive that right now. Thank you, Father. Deuteronomy 28 goes through a whole list of promises that the blessing of God has opened up to you. Get that thing out, claim it over yourself, confess it, put it on you, stand in the gap for you, stand in the gap for your family. You're the head and not the tail. You're the lender and not the borrower. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You are blessed, 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 blessed. It's who you are. He, set you, he will set you high above the nations on behalf of Jesus Christ. Stand in the gap. Put your word out there. Trust God. Don't just stand back and think that it's all going to happen to you. If that was the case, it would already happen to you. But it hasn't, has it? Because somebody needs to stand up and be in the gap. Somebody needs to be proactive with the things of God. Jesus paid for it. Now you stand in the gap on behalf of the will of God. For your own life first and then for the lives of others. Father, right now, we just thank you so much that we had Jesus. And we had examples like Moses and Abraham Thank you, Father, that we have examples now of people even now that we can look to and say, I'll pull strength and pull faith from them. Lord, lift them up and, and lift me up, Lord, and start praying and releasing that faith 
Thank you, Father, for your goodness that you did not leave us weaponless. You did not leave us powerless. You did not leave us alone, but you strengthened us and you gave us the tools to be victorious overcomers, more than a conqueror. And Lord, we receive that now in Jesus' name. We receive victory and overcoming now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you and we love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we give you the glory. Now, how would you respond if all of that that you just prayed actually came true? That's it. Glory to God. See, that's the difference between grabbing a hold of it and not. And that's where you got to get, where it becomes yours. And it's a reality. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be bold. Be courageous. Have a great week. Amen.